Hi there and welcome. I'm Rabbi Nachomath with the Las Vegas Kolel. Trivia question for you. What year was Abraham Lincoln born? Take a minute and try to come up with an answer. My guess is you did one of the following two things. Either you know the correct answer because you read it somewhere in a book, in an encyclopedia, or you did the following. You probably went through the following calculation. You figured Lincoln, we know, well, he was assassinated towards the end of the Civil War. So maybe 1865 was when he died. And then you kind of look at him at pictures. He looked like he was maybe 60 years old when he was killed. So you probably did 1865, you subtracted something like 60, and you came up with the answer, well, he's probably born in 1805. The correct answer is he was born in 1809. But I'm more curious about that process. We go ahead and we didn't just come up with a random answer out of the blue. We didn't just go ahead and say, Lincoln, what year was he born? 1702. Rather, what we did, what psychologists call, we looked for an anchor. We looked for a starting point. We looked, the first thing that we did is we realized, well, what do we know about Abraham Lincoln? Well, he was a president during the Civil War. He died during the end of the Civil War. That was probably around 1865. And then we built off of that. We worked backwards. We used a starting point, an anchor, and tried to come up with our best guess. And this is a very logical and normal thing to do. Whenever we're dealing with ambiguity, whenever we're presented with a question, with uncertainty, and we need to come up with an answer, what we do is we look for anchors. We look for things that we do know, and we work off of that. We don't just go ahead and shoot blindly from the, in the dark. Rather, we look for a starting point and build off of it. Lincoln, 1865, he looks like he's 60 years old, so he was born in 1805. And that's a very good way of dealing with ambiguity, with dealing with uncertainty when we have to make decisions about the world around us. Look for a starting point, look for an anchor, and that makes a ton of sense. What's remarkable is a story that we find in the book of Genesis, in Sefer Bereshis, in chapter 19. We read about the destruction of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that these were terrible cities. They had done all sorts of things wrong, and God sends an angel to go ahead and destroy the city. But we also read in chapter 19 that Abraham's nephew, a fellow named Lot, well, he was living in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah before God was going to destroy it. And God sends an angel to go ahead and rescue Lot. And the angel goes to Lot and he says, Lot, we're about to destroy the city. Go get your family, get your daughters, get your sons-in-law, gather them here together, and we're going to flee. We're going to escape. And the verse tells us that Lot quickly goes ahead, he assembles his family, and he goes ahead and he goes over to his sons-in-law. And he tells them, hey, an angel of God is here, and he's telling us we're gonna, they're going to destroy the city. We better get out of here. But the verse tells us something remarkable. The verse says, His sons-in-law, they looked at him as a jester. They thought he was a clown. They thought he was joking around. They didn't take him seriously. What's remarkable is how the Medrash explains what's going on over here. The Medrash says that when Lot went ahead and spoke to his sons-in-law and told him, hey, there's an angel coming to destroy the city. We got to get out of here. His sons-in-law responded to Lot and they said, what are you talking about, Lot? There's a party here in town. There was a 
a, fest a festival, there was celebration, and you mean to tell me that the, the city is going to be destroyed? It's impossible. Look around you. There's, there's a party, there's a, a feast, there's a celebration. City is not going to get destroyed. And that's what the Medrash says, and that's why the verse says, that they see that Lot seemed like a jester in their eyes. They went ahead and they said to him, it can't be that the city is getting destroyed. Look at all the fun. Look at all the celebration that's happening today. The city is not going to get destroyed tomorrow. My Rosh Hashiva, my rabbi always pointed out something really remarkable about that medrash. What's interesting is what the medrash does not say. The medrash does not say that Lot's sons-in-law went over to Lot and said, we don't believe you. We don't believe that there are angels. We don't believe that God is angry at the city and God's going to destroy the city. We just don't believe it. It's just not true. We don't believe in God. We don't believe in angels. We don't believe in messengers. It's not going to happen. That's not what they said. If you pay attention, if you read the medrash carefully, what they do say is they say, I've got evidence that shows me that the city won't be destroyed tomorrow. Look at the world around us today. There's celebration, there's festivities. That's an evidence, that's proof that the city isn't going to be destroyed tomorrow. That's their rationale, that's their argument. And my rabbi would always point out, what kind of argument is that? What does today's celebration, what does today's festivities, what is the fact that today everything is great, what does that bear on tomorrow? How come the fact that today things are good, how come that triggers you to believe that nothing bad will happen tomorrow? And again, the Medrash doesn't say that they didn't believe that these were real angels. That's not what they say. They say, we've got evidence that this isn't, gonna be, that this isn't true. Look, things are great today. And my rabbi asked, what does today have to do with tomorrow? I've got a question for you. I've got a bottle of wine over here. It's a 2017 Cabernet Sauvignon. It's made by Chateau J Josephine. I want you to look at this bottle. And I've got two questions for you. The first question I want you to do is, I'm gonna ask you, what are the two last numbers in your social security number? Take a moment and think about that, contemplate it. What are the last two digits? What are the last two numbers of your social security number? Get that number in your mind. And here comes question number two. This bottle of 2017 Chateau Josephine, how much does this retail for? Take a guess. Now, I don't know the answer. I have no idea how much this bottle of wine costs. Someone gave it to me as a gift. But what's remarkable is that psychologists have pointed out, when I ask you this question, how much does that bottle of wine cost? So if you have no starting point, you have no anchor, you have no reference, so it's fascinating what, so, what psychologists have pointed out is we look for anything to hold on to. And when, we've, and when psychologists have replicated that experiment that I just did with you, they found that the higher your social security number is, the higher, statistically, people will value a random bottle of wine. Now, you may have known the price of the bottle of wine. We're not talking about that group. But if you had no idea, is this a $4 bottle of wine? Is it a $94 bottle of wine? Statistics show that if I prompt you by asking you, what are your last two digits of your social security number? If it's a higher number, you will statistically attach a higher valuation to a bottle of wine. Why is that? And the lesson and the answer is, is we, it goes back to that lesson of anchors. When we're dealing with ambiguity, when we deal with uncertainty, it's very hard to just come up with a random number. Rather, what we do is we look for something to anchor to. 
And in this case, we think of our social security number. And if your social security number is a higher number, that's what you use as an anchor, and you then work off of that number to go ahead and come up with a figure for what that bottle of wine will retail. And that's what statistics show. And it's a remarkable thing. When we're dealing with ambiguity, when we're dealing with uncertainty, we desperately look for something to anchor towards to go ahead and build an answer to. Sometimes that's a great thing to do. If I ask you how old was Abraham, what year was Abraham Lincoln born in? So we look for a meaningful anchor and we pivot off of that. And that makes sense. But sometimes we, we end up finding anchors that are really unrelated to the ambiguity, to the question at hand. So in the case of Lot's sons-in-law, when they're presented with a, something of uncertainty, Lot comes to them and says, tomorrow the city is going to be destroyed. Well, that creates, is that really going to happen? Is that really true? Could that be? So Lot's sons-in-law looked for an anchor. And what was the anchor? Look at the world around us today. Today, everything is great. Today, there's a celebration. Today, there's a festival. It can't be that tomorrow the world will be destroyed. What does one have to do with the other? The answer is nothing. But because they were faced with a certain ambiguity, they, uh, they started with an anchor. What does the world look like today? And that anchor makes no sense. It's irrelevant to the ambiguity at hand, and they ended up making a wrong decision. The end of the story goes that Lot escapes with his daughters, but his sons-in-law, they were destroyed and they were killed when God destroyed the city of Sodom and Amorah. And it's a lesson to you and me and to all of us. We all have uncertainty in our lives. What's gonna be tomorrow? What's gonna be with our health? What's gonna be with our relationships? What's gonna be with our financial situation? Recognize, our very humanity operates in such a way that we look for anchors. Sometimes those anchors make sense, but oftentimes those anchors are incorrect and we make predictions, we make assumptions about the world around us based on information that doesn't really bear on reality. The fact that life is great today or the fact that life might be turbulent today doesn't bear any element of truth on what's gonna happen tomorrow necessarily. We make mistakes when we go ahead and we deal with ambiguous, ambiguous situations. We crave anchors, we're looking for anchors. Oftentimes they're great, but oftentimes we end up making poor judgments because we go ahead and we find anchors that are really irrelevant. The future of our lives, our happiness, our health, what is going on in the world around us today doesn't really bear on the future for tomorrow. And we should take pause to reflect on that and recognize our futures, what's gonna be. The world around us today, it could impact tomorrow, but not necessarily. Let's not be like the sons-in-law of Lot. Let's go ahead and make sure we're honest with ourselves about the uncertainties of the world around us for tomorrow and make sure we make good decisions based on the appropriate anchors in our lives.